You want to know something I love? When I have an idea for a piece of content and then someone on Instagram DMs me asking me to create that very piece of content. In this case, that piece of content is how to stop weighing your food. Now, I'm going to be very upfront with you in saying that the food skill was definitely one of the hardest things for me to let go of in recovery. I weighed every gram I ate for a lot longer than I care to admit, and that's also why it took me so long to finally share this piece of content with you. Not to mention, I couldn't find any resources on how to stop weighing food when I was trying to let go of the food scale myself. Every Google search I did just led me to posts either on how to stop counting calories or how to stop weighing your body. But I didn't need any more how-tos regarding these two topics. I wanted to learn how to stop weighing my food. I had long overcome obsessive calorie counting and weighing myself, and using the food scale was no longer even related to restricting my food, as paradoxical as that sounds. At one point, I didn't even know what purpose the food scale was serving. Later on in my recovery, I no longer weighed food because I wanted to use it as a means of eating less or to control my weight. I just could not deal with not knowing how much food weighed. I would literally weigh individual baby carrots and whole bananas, things I already knew I would eat entirely regardless of their weight. But still, I would weigh them just to be able to attach a number to what I was eating. The food scale had totally lost its original purpose of controlling amounts and had now simply become a habit. Using the food scale had become so ingrained in my daily life that I could not imagine not using it anymore. Perhaps you feel the same right now. Maybe you do still struggle with calorie counting and weighing yourself, or maybe you just cannot fathom a life without scales or numbers of any kind. If so, you are in the right place because I get you. I feel you. I understand you. And I'm here to tell you that it is 100% possible for you to eat and enjoy your life without ever having to weigh a single gram again. I thought I was just doomed to weigh my food forever. But here I am today, free of the food scale, and in this episode, I'm going to be sharing exactly how you can become free from it too. Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast, where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Serra, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. Just before we dive in, I want to inform you that this style of podcast episode or video, if you are watching on YouTube, will be a little different from my usual episode and video format. If you follow me on Instagram at LiveLabelFree, you know that I am planning on writing a book and lately I've really been feeling that desire just wanting to unleash itself. So when I was scripting this episode, it unintentionally turned into more of me telling a story with multiple dialogues and all that fun stuff. 
At first, I was thinking, hmm, maybe I should stick with the usual format, because, you know, change is scary. <laughs> um, but then I was really digging it, and I started to even think that I may take snippets of this episode to use in my future book. Who knows? Anyways, all I wanted to say is that this episode will just be a little less conversational and more of a story in which I really take you along with me on this big part of my recovery journey. I'm really curious to hear your feedback on this new style and if you do like the story format, please let me know and I may do more episodes and videos just like this one. Now, without further ado, I'm going to share my story with the food scale and teach you how to stop weighing your food. Oh, the food scale. Man, did I have a long relationship with that bad boy. I remember walking into treatment in 2017 with my food scale in my suitcase. I knew they were going to check my bags, and I knew they were going to take it, and I knew there was no way I was let alone going to be able to use it during treatment, but still, just in case. Those three words pretty much sum up my entire relationship with the food skill. Just in case. It started off with a purpose. I mean, doesn't every eating disorder behavior? I had initially adopted the measuring cups and spoons system after my very first forced treatment in 2012. I was only 12 at the time, and I remember my parents being totally disgusted by the idea of their sick child measuring food. I remember them questioning the staff at the treatment center, saying things like, she's already so obsessed with food, isn't measuring just going to make it all worse? They would then explain to my parents how the treatment center made use of the meal plan exchange system and measuring food was the only way to accurately stick to it. My parents would nod their heads, implying that they understood, even though unwillingly they would agree because they were willing to do anything that could make me get better, even if that meant measuring everything that went into my mouth from now on. Obviously, my eating disorder loved this. Not the eating part, of course, but the fact that everything was not only planned out neatly on a meal plan, but now also precisely measured, just made eating feel slightly safer. However, Every time you give your eating disorder an inch, it will try to take a mile, if not more. And that's exactly what it tried to do one day we were taking a family trip to Walmart. I honestly can't even remember exactly what we were doing there, but I think it was buying a new tent for an upcoming camping trip. Who knows? What I do remember clear as day is that my favorite section in the store was always the cooking section. I'd run off to the plates and bowls and kitchen utensils and engorged myself in the most recent edition of Skinny Taste. I'd mentally note all of the suggested swaps and substitutions, applesauce for oil, non-fat yogurt for butter, cauliflower rice for regular white, I'm sure we all know what I'm talking about. It was in one of the diet magazines that I noticed an article about owning a food scale and how this single item was the key to completing your diet-friendly kitchen. 
While my parents were in search of the key to heal me, I was constantly in search of the key to control my food. Measuring cups and spoons were great, but now that I discovered there was an even more accurate way to track portion sizes, sign me up. I quickly ran to find my parents and led the way to the kitchen area where I had been hanging around, gently placing the fanciest looking food scale I could find in the cart. What's this for? My mom asked, grabbing the food scale out of the shopping cart and quickly placing it back on the shelf. It's so that I can better stick to the new meal plan, I responded cheerfully. My dad chimed in. Aren't we already going out of our way to measure everything using those stupid cups and spoons? A food scale is much more accurate, I would reassure. This is the best way to ensure I meet all my needs. My very mentioning of meeting all my needs was like music to my parents' ears. They exchanged a quick glance at each other, nodding in unwilling agreement, just like they had when the treatment staff told them about the measuring spoon system, and motioned me to return the food scale to the cart. I carefully placed it on top of the large rainproof tent, so yeah, I guess we were there for a camping trip, <laughs> and briskly walked to the next section of the store before my parents could get the chance to change their minds. From that day on, nothing went into my mouth without having been placed on the food scale first. I would cut off small pieces of bread to ensure the weight matched the serving size on the nutrition panel and would spend up to 10 minutes adding and removing single oatmeal flakes until the weight was precisely a certain number of grams. More often than not, I would be fiddling with the tear button for so long that I started to doubt whether or not the food scale could still work properly after being turned on for that long, and it would just be better to start the whole weighing process all over again. I was sure the amount I had weighed prior was still going to weigh the same, but still, just in case. I took the food scale with me everywhere I went on camping trips, weekends away, and even on longer vacations, when those were still in the cards at least, before I was too sick to even travel. I always kept spare batteries in the drawer alongside it, just in case the food scale would sporadically turn off and I would spiral into a panic. I learned that always keep a spare lesson the hard way when I was weighing my sweet potatoes one day and the scale suddenly read empty and shut down. It was in that exact moment that I shut down too. We were about to sit down to a family dinner of sweet potatoes, fish sticks, and steamed spinach. I had carefully selected and dabbed the oil off the five smallest fish sticks I could fish out of the pan, and yes, pun totally intended, and had arranged a perfectly portioned pile of spinach alongside it. As soon as I was done weighing the sweet potatoes, we could finally have our family dinner. Everything had long gone cold at this point, but everyone seemed, or at least pretended, to not notice. What was most important was that I, Livia, was eating, even if it took her 20 minutes to weigh everything out. While my family was on the edge of their seats to dig into the food, I exclaimed, I can't eat! The batteries just died! My mom looked at me wide-eyed as if I had just announced a third world war and I saw my sisters sink deeper into their seats. Suddenly, my dad got up and smashed two halves of sweet potatoes onto my dinner plate. 
This is what's for dinner and this is what you are going to eat. Now sit down for God's sake and have a normal family dinner with us. I shifted my gaze towards the floor, feeling tears gathering behind my eyes. I can't eat yet. I need to know how much the sweet potato weighs. I muttered in an almost inaudible tone. I'll just run to the store and get some batteries, my mom declared, already grabbing her big silver purse. No, my dad interrupted again. How hard is it to just eat two damn pieces of sweet potato? I was still staring at the creaked wooden kitchen floor, completely muted by my sheer levels of panic and fear. There was no way I was going to eat any amount of damn sweet potato unless I knew how much it weighed. I think we can all foretell how this little sweet potato story ended. My mom bought the batteries to avoid an even further outburst, and I had insisted on coming with her to escape further drama with my already enraged father. When we came home from the store, my mom and I had dinner together and all seemed to be okay, for now. But we had all learned a clear lesson. Always keep spare batteries for the food skill, just in case. Until one day, I had decided spare batteries were no longer enough. What if the entire skill broke down? What if it wasn't the batteries that were dead, but the skill itself had lived its life's course? An eating disorder convinces you that you can never be too sure, so I bought a second food skill. Again, just in case. Well, that's all I'm going to share for now as far as my personal story with the food skill goes, so I guess you'll just have to read my future book to learn more. Right now, I want to shift gears and share three tips that helped me to finally let go of the food skill. My very first tip is actually the same first tip that I give in my previous podcast episode on how to stay motivated in recovery. So if you have not yet listened to that episode or watched it on YouTube, I encourage you to do that first as this tip is really going to be an elaboration of what I talk about there. If you have listened to that episode or watched on YouTube, well great, because then you already know that the first tip to letting go of the food scale and to obviously stay motivated in continuing to not weigh your food is to create a list of reasons for why you want to stop weighing food. I am currently listening to an audiobook on Audible titled The Magic of Thinking Big and there are so many amazing lessons and quotes in there. One of my recent favorites being success requires heart and soul effort and you can only put your heart and soul into something you truly desire. If you love listening to podcasts as much as I do, you will without a doubt love listening to audiobooks just as much. And that is why I am so excited to tell you about Audible. Audible is an audiobook service offering the world's greatest selection of titles, ranging from much-loved classics to new releases and original podcasts. Ever since I was young, I have always loved learning, and I believe one of the best ways to learn is through reading. I think we all know there are so many incredible books out there in the world, from captivating fiction novels to the well-known self-help books aimed to improve your life and sense of overall health and happiness. But how the heck do you find the time to read in the hustle and bustle of our insanely busy lives nowadays? 
Thanks to Audible, I can now plow through several books every week without having to sacrifice any other activities on my calendar. Whether I'm cooking, going on a walk, doing groceries, or folding boring laundry, I can continue learning. Not to mention, turn any boring experience into a fun and engaging one and listen to all of my favorite audiobooks straight through the free Audible app. One of my favorite books is Essentialism by Greg McEwen, all about how to achieve more by doing less. You can now try Audible completely free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choosing when you visit the link www.audibletrial.com forward slash live label free. That's www.audibletrial.com forward slash live label free. Like the name of this podcast and get your first audiobook for free on me. Be sure to let me know which audiobook you end up choosing and I absolutely cannot wait for you to join me in this revolutionary reading experience. Now let's get back to the episode. Just like I said in my previous episode on motivation, we are often wondering why we're not achieving the things we say we want. We blame our inaction on external circumstances or we say that things happen as the result of good or bad luck. But these are simply excuses to stay a victim. And I get it. It is so much easier to be a victim because then you don't have to take responsibility and it's impossible to fail, right? Well, wrong. Because not taking action and not believing you are capable of succeeding is the very mindset that's causing you to stay stuck. Achieving anything starts with believing you can achieve that thing. In this case, you must wholeheartedly believe it is possible for you to live a life in which weighing food is no longer part of it. To get to that point though, you must know why you want to live that life. You must have reasons for living that life. You are currently so used to living a life that revolves around food and numbers that becoming someone who is free of those ties will take hard work. And the only way to push through and put in the work is if you have strong enough reasons for doing so. This actually reminds me of another story involving my food skill, one that I personally believe made my attachment to the object way worse. You know how I mentioned that I brought my food skill to treatment with me in 2017? Well, towards the end of my treatment, as my treatment team was making a plan for me to succeed in the big bad real world, I was given an ultimatum. I was told that if I wanted to be discharged from residential treatment, I would first have to smash my food skill. I didn't agree with this, and honestly, I never have been a fan of using violence to remove the meaning of an object. The whole scale-smashing trend that I'm sure we are all aware of never resonated with me because it isn't the physical scale that's doing any harm. It's an inanimate object that doesn't even do anything. In the end, the number on a scale is simply the force of gravity on an object. Little physics lesson here, but that's all it is. And that number only has as much power as you give it. Anyways, back to the story. 
Even though I didn't agree with smashing the food scale, I mean, I would have been so much better selling it on eBay or something, and <laughs> I'm realizing as I say that that only an entrepreneur would say that, but I wanted to get the heck out of treatment, and I didn't really have much to say on the matter besides obeying my treatment team because they were the ones who were going to set me free. I know I'm making it sound like I was some kind of prisoner, which I obviously wasn't, but to this day, it still kind of feels like I was. I definitely believe residential treatment has its time and place, but the fact that they treat everyone the same and make so many assumptions about what's best is what I believe triggers relapse when you come out of treatment. This is why I am so, so confident in my one-on-one coaching program because I take a 100% individualized approach to you as a person and I don't treat you like another sick patient because you're not. Not to mention, when you apply for coaching with me, we work together to find solutions and strategies to improving your life as a whole, not just around food and exercise. I will never tell you what to do because that is not my place. I am not you. And most of all, I know that telling you what to do simply doesn't work. Recovery must come from internal drive and desire, and coaching is simply a tool that helps get you on the right track. If you are interested in one-on-one coaching with me, you can learn all about my different offers in the description below, or just head over to livelabelfree.com forward slash coaching dash packages. And just to elaborate on what I said about forced action not working and recovery needing to come from within, let's finish this little food scale smash story just to show you how inverted my treatment team's ultimatum packed out. As you probably already guessed, I ended up smashing the food scale because I was desperate to get out of treatment. But as soon as I was finally discharged, can you guess what I did? Yup, I went out and bought a food scale. Not because I wanted or needed it, just to prove that no one could tell me what I should do. If this is not the perfect proof that telling someone with an eating disorder what they should do doesn't work, I don't know what does. Deep down, you have the answers and you know what to do. You just may need someone to help you find those answers and to finally take action. Again, check out my one-on-one coaching packages in the description below or go to livelabelfree.com forward slash coaching dash packages and I am so excited to help you unleash your full potential. Now it's time to get to the second tip on how to stop weighing your food and that is to switch up your environment. As I learned in another one of my favorite books, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is also on Audible by the way, Our environment has a massive impact on our habits. The ways in which we behave can be attributed to several factors, environmental cues being one of those. Let me give you some examples. When you are working on an assignment and your phone buzzes, you will most likely feel tempted to check it. If you come home from a long day and it's all dark, you will flick the light switch on. When you're grocery shopping and you see your favorite snack bars on sale, you will probably add it to your shopping cart. In all of these scenarios, a cue in your environment prompted you to take a specific action. 
If your phone had been turned off or hadn't even been next to you while you were studying, you would have never picked it up. If you came home and it was still light out, you would have never flicked the light switch on. If the snack bar had not strategically been located in a for sale bin near the checkout counter, you probably would have only purchased the groceries you had originally come to the store for. The same goes with the food skill. Whenever you go to prepare food, I'm willing to bet there's a specific way in which you go about doing so. When I would prepare my breakfast during my food skill days, the way in which I made my oatmeal every morning was more of an automated series of actions rather than a conscious cooking process. I would start out by walking into the kitchen, grabbing the food skill from the drawer, and placing it on the counter I had disinfected beforehand. Hello OCD. I would then grab the canister of rolled oats from its usual place in the cabinet and proceed to carefully weigh a certain number of grams in the same glass dish I always weighed my oatmeal in. By the time I had added my protein powder and almond milk and flax seeds and everything else that makes oatmeal delicious and the oats were finally cooking on the stovetop, I could barely consciously remember any of the process. My brain had formed a habit around precisely weighing every ingredient in a certain order so that my brain could work more efficiently and focus on other tasks. Because I mean, I had pretty limited energy availability at that time of my life. The eventual cooking of the oatmeal on the stovetop was simply a result of certain cues in my environment. So certain cues in the kitchen. Had my food skill not been in its usual drawer, or had the oats not been in the same spot in the same cabinet, my brain would have had to recalibrate and find an alternative to complete the breakfast making process. Now I know this may sound super elaborate for such a simple process as making some oatmeal, but understanding that the tiniest cues can contribute to the formation and continuation of a habit is essential in letting go of habits that no longer serve you and adopting new habits that will. When I finally committed to stop weighing my food, I had to remove the skill from the drawer so that when I did automatically try to reach for it, I was reminded of why it wasn't there. In the beginning, it obviously made me anxious, and there were several times that I would go out of my way to fetch the skill from the spot I had hidden it in. When I realized that just moving the skill to a different location wasn't enough, I thought about what new cues I could introduce to make it easier for me to actually pursue making my food without being cajoled by the invisible attractive force of the food skill. In the place of my food skill, I stuck a piece of paper with all of my reasons for why I wanted to stop weighing my food. And yes, that is the very list that you created after hearing tip one. When you combine your why with a very clear change in environment, you are setting yourself up for success. You're no longer being a victim of your environment or circumstances, but you're being an advocate for your recovery and an architect of your surroundings. Are you desperate to overcome extreme hunger but don't know where to start? Perhaps you feel you need a step-by-step guide teaching you how to deal with mental hunger, weight gain, digestive issues, and everything else that comes with recovery? If so, you are in the right place because my course, Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied, is here. 
Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied is the world's very first course designed specifically for those who are committed to overcoming extreme hunger and finding true satisfaction. It combines scientific research and insight from years of personal experience to provide tangible action steps towards a life of freedom. Full of video presentations, lessons, worksheets, and scientific resources, Extremely Hungry to Completely Satisfied is the comprehensive framework that teaches you how to not only beat extreme hunger, but how to pave your unique path towards a fully recovered life. It's the all-in-one resource I wish I had during one of the scariest periods of my life, taking a holistic approach to recovery and empowering you to finally break free from any and all limiting beliefs that are holding you back. The very first step to achieving anything is to believe you can achieve the thing. And I, my friend, wholeheartedly believe that my course is exactly what you need to achieve a life of abundance. Over the course of just eight weeks, you'll learn to shift your mindset in every way possible. You'll be taking data-driven action, and I'll be guiding you every step of the way. So you can fully recover from disordered eating, and not just have to manage an eating disorder for the rest of your life. Enroll in my course today by clicking the link in the description below or visiting livelabelfree.com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course that's live label free like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course i am so excited for you to finally find freedom from a life that revolves around food because your life is worth so much more now let's get back to the episode my third and final tip for how to stop weighing your food is to visualize yourself preparing food without a food scale. Several studies have been conducted to explore what happens in the brain when someone is visualizing a certain experience versus actually doing it. With advanced brain imaging techniques such as magnetic resonance imaging, also known as MRI, Scientists have found that when you visualize something, the same parts of the brain activate as when you are actually doing the thing. This means that intentional visualization has virtually the same effect on the neural pathways in your brain as if you were really engaging in the activity in reality. I mean, how cool is that? This is why manifestation and believing in the law of attraction really work because these techniques involve visualizing and then eventually realizing your dream life. The power of visualization directly ties back to what I said earlier about believing a desired outcome is possible because you can obviously only fully immerse yourself in the visualized experience if you truly believe that experience can exist. So when it comes to preparing food without using the food skill, the first step is to believe a life without the food skill is possible. In my extreme hunger course, as well as in one-on-one coaching with clients, we 
always focus first on shifting limiting beliefs and opening your mind to the possibility of what may seem impossible right now. Because only with a fully open mind can you embrace anything and everything that comes on your recovery path. Once you wholeheartedly believe that it's possible for you to make a meal without weighing the ingredients first, you can start your visualization of doing so. Focus on all of the senses such as where you will be, what it will smell like, what sounds may be present, anything you think will be involved during the big leap of creating your first meal without using the skill. It's super important to get as clear as possible on every detail when you are imagining this preparation of a meal because it means more neural pathways will be activated and thus your brain will be more familiar with the experience when you actually go to your physical kitchen and really make the food. And for you, there you have several snippets of my personal story with the food scale and three tips that massively helped me in finally letting it go. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, I would love to hear what you thought of this format with those stories and dialogues woven in, so I know if I should create more content like this. If you did like this episode and you got anything out of it, please give this video a big thumbs up if you are watching on YouTube and be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening or watching. And if you know anyone who you think would also benefit from these tips on how to stop weighing food, be sure to share it with them. Life is too damn short to weigh single flakes of oatmeal. 